are now going to turn our attention to our ongoing uh, coverage of the environmental catastrophe. Um, this is our weekly Earth Watch. We partner with the um, Global Justice Ecology Project. We want to thank them for our weekly Earth Watch and our weekly Earth Minute. And I'd like now to welcome our guest, uh, Devlin Kuyek, is a researcher at Grain, a small international nonprofit organization that supports small farmers and social movements in their struggles for community-controlled and biodiversity-based food systems. He monitors and analyzes global agribusiness corporations, including their role in the climate crisis. And he's based in Montreal, Canada. Devlin, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Margaret. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Okay, so Devlin, just helping our listeners here to understand a few uh, terms. When you talk about uh, biodiversity-based food systems, explain what you are referring to and what you mean uh, for them being community-controlled. Well, uh, it, it really refers to agriculture that has always been practiced until fairly recently. Um, you know, most farms have always had a variety of crops, planted uh, varieties, different varieties of seeds that have been uh, innovated and shared amongst farmers over, over generations. Uh, and that has all changed in the last, uh, well, particularly in the last 50 years around the world with the industrialization of agriculture, the widespread uh, dissemination, well, pretty much a forceful dissemination of, uh, of a few varieties, few, a few different crops. Um, and the use of uh, the required use of pesticides, uh, chemical fertilizers, um, and so many things that are connected to the climate crisis right now. And really, the wipe so much of the, the diversity that existed in our food systems has been has been really wiped out, and the knowledge uh, that uh, went into that is sustaining it and maintaining it and building it up that was held by by farmers has also been. Uh, wiped out. Now it's still very present in most in, in parts of the world. Um, but it's, a, it's an ongoing fight to to maintain that and to uh, to, to increase it. And that's really, you know, if we talk about uh, climate, which we're talking about today, you know, that's a huge part of uh, real solutions uh, to the climate crisis. Right. And, you know, I personally am on a campaign against products like Roundup. You know, so many people, they want the beautiful lawns and you see them out there uh, spraying this stuff in, in public parks, et cetera. And I just think they make people ill. Monsanto and Bayer, shame on them, uh, Bayer mm -hmm. having bought uh, Monsanto. But um, I also wanted to ask you, too, about increasingly people are talking about regenerative agriculture and uh, the concern about soils. I mean, um, the Kathleen Rogers, who is the president and CEO of EarthDay.org, she talks about the so our soils being in horrendous shape uh, worldwide, including in the United States, and that um, soil used in, in conventionally farming methods are thinning. And uh, this really is, creates a, a big problem in terms of soil erosion. Uh, you know, just tell us about that and um, the relationship with what you are trying to do with uh, biodiversity-based food 
systems. Devin. Yeah, Devin. absolutely. Um, so, industrial agriculture is a major culprit of soil fertility around the world. The depletion of, of uh, organic matter in soils uh, through the heavy use of chemical inputs and just the monoculture practices that have been uh, expanding rapidly, continue to expand around the world. So it's very ironic now that you see some of the big companies that have uh, that are really responsible for this uh, expansion of industrial agriculture now coming back and, and saying, uh, trying to portray themselves as leaders in, in regenerative agriculture, which is a, it's quite a uh, slippery term. And we, we tend to talk about agroecology, and that's what uh, most of the, um, the present movement of farmers organizations that we work with around the world talk about uh, agroecology and, and food sovereignty. And these are these terms or, or concepts that don't have uh, much, if any, room for the type of agriculture that uh, corporations like Monsanto Bayer and others are, are promoting. But their their idea of regenerative agriculture, at least what you hear from the corporate sector, is, is uh, uh, it's a very, very sort of narrow concept, and it essentially means uh, trying to just tweak the system a little bit to not deplete soil so rapidly and not... Uh, uh, not be so damaging to the soil, but it, it, as far as a, a real solution uh, to, uh, to any of the crises that are affecting the food system right now, it doesn't really offer anything. Yeah, and you know, it's really aggravating me. Talk about corporate uh, greenwashing. You know, to see these ads on television with British Petroleum or Chevron or one of these fossil fuel uh, companies known for polluting the planet, putting themselves forward as some kind of uh, green or ecology activists and, and, and green uh, solutions. So there's a, a lot of that going on of, uh, you know, the public being told, well, this and that are being done uh, to help to save the environment when basically it's the same old um, focus on making profit and not really giving a darn about people's health or for that part uh, for the environment. So um, your thoughts on this uh, corporate greenwashing approach that is so popular right now, Devlin? Yeah, well, I mean, greenwashing is nothing new, certainly nothing new to the uh the big ag corporation. Uh, but what we're seeing now is this ramped up version in coming together of the big ag companies and uh, fossil fuel companies who are all getting behind this, uh, again, another term that they've, they've concocted called nature-based solutions. And, and what it essentially means is that the, the companies who produce fossil fuels, who produce uh, you know, processed meats and dairy and, and then on the ag side, some of the more polluting uh, products, uh, they have no intention of decreasing their production. In fact, they're all planning on, on major growth, even, even amongst fossil fuel extraction and uh, production and sales. Um, and in order to uh, offset this, in order to be sort of considered uh, net zero, which they all are really wanting to claim, um, they're planning to use what they call nature-based solutions. And that essentially refers to reforestation or what I think it's more accurately called tree plantations, uh, conservation projects of building off huge areas of forests where, that uh, forest communities depend on, uh, and then claiming that uh, the doing so offsets, offsets their, their emissions. Now, 
if you just look at some of the numbers, and we, we have an, a recent article on our website that looks at some of the numbers for, for Nestle, because there's, some companies have, have put out you know, somewhat detailed uh, net zero plans. There's increasing uh, announcements of companies uh, claiming to, uh, to have net zero targets. Not all have put out their plans. Nestle is one of them that has put out its plan, and we looked at what, you know, what was involved there. Uh, they are planning to increase their production of their most polluting products by 70% over the next decade. Wow. And, to, and, they're, and they're still claiming to achieve net zero in that period. How they're going to do this, they say, is one, they're going to reduce the emissions in their supply chain. Okay. And those emissions account for two times the, the, over, the total emissions of their home country. So this is a huge amount of emissions, global emissions. They're saying they're going to reduce those by adopting regenerative agricultural practices in their supply chain. Now, they're not committing. They're committing just a tiny bit of money towards this. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's $120, $120 million a year that they're announcing, which, you know, put that in perspective, their, their dividend last year for their shareholders was $8 billion. I mean, so they're essentially committing nothing towards this program. So any any type of practices that might reduce emissions in the supply chain, will have the cost will have to be borne by farmers themselves. So that's important right. to, to keep to consider. Second, they say they're going to reduce, they're going to offset 13 million tons per year through reforestation programs and, and forest conservation. Yeah, 13 million I mean, tons per year, that's, that's equivalent to about the, the emissions of a state like... Um, uh, New Hampshire, Hampshire, a small country like Latin. Right. And well, De Devlin, when, when Devlin, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, finish your thought, but we, we are out of time for the, for this segment, but also I'd like you to share with our audience how people could learn more about what you're talking about, about uh, your work at Grain, how they could just get more information and also uh, information about what sure. they can do. Devlin. Yeah, so just quickly to say, that's about 4.4 million hectares of land we're talking about, zoned off, taken away from people. So it's a massive land grab. And people need to understand that. People need to get more informed about that. They can go to our, our website, grain.org, where there's a, there's a recent article on greenwashing. There's some excellent stuff that's been put up by La Via Campesina and Friends of the Earth recently on the same subject. Also, the uh, African... Uh, Biodiversity Center has uh, has put a, a, an excellent piece on, on net zero emissions and nature-based solutions, and and the World Rainforest Movement. Um, I would post, you know, any of those organizations. They have sort of good information now. It's all about this topic. Right. Well, Devlin uh, Kuyak, thank you so much uh, for your work. And of course, we do regular coverage on what's happening in the areas of, of food production as it relates to the environment as we cover the climate crisis. Uh, Devlin Kuyak, thank you for joining us.